0: What are the odds? You and I meeting like this? You know, being a sentimental Virgo and all, I can't help feeling we were destined to meet. Or perhaps I found you because you just stopped emitting those light particles. That's probably it! He forced me back. Hold on! Good luck hitting me with that big blade of yours. Dodged it. Before I leave, I think I'll collect a little souvenir. Don't you? Touch me!
1: Hello and welcome to. It's again. The internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given 00 a try. My name is Jeremy.
0: I can hear you with my enhanced sensors. I'm Tyler.
1: My name is Zach. Today we will be watching episode 3 of Gundam 00, The Changing World. So Tyler, you said you liked this episode.
0: I did. I feel like we got some, like, pretty decent character moments uh, for some of the side characters. I feel like our Gundam pilots are still weirdly blank slates that don't have much personality, except for Lock-On. Lock-On's the best.
2: I also kind of like this episode, but it feels weird that we're getting into episode three and nothing's happened yet.
0: Yeah, weirdly, a lot of stuff has happened, but nothing, like, important? Like, nothing that affects? We're just doing the same story over and over.
1: Zach and I were actually talking about that on the way over and how we trying to put our finger on how a ton has happened in these first three episodes, but nothing has happened and how strange that feels. When I first started watching the series, this is where I bounced off. And I think it has to do less with this specific episode and more with the fact that this is where the episode was and it's airing when I realized there was a new Gundam series. And I watched these three and was like, eh, I'll watch the next one next week. And then I did.
0: And I think the problem is that it's just not advancing the status quo at all. People are surprised that Celestial Being is doing what it's doing, and they're continuing to do what they do, and yeah, I, I well, think this is my favorite episode so far, because we actually get side characters doing
2: stuff, and well, it feels and like... kind the... of talking about what's going on. Yeah. Although, at the end of it, it is kind of like, they're having an effect, and I'm like, really? Like, they've done, like, three things. I don't feel like ancient grudges that have been lasting for 400 years get
1: ended in a week. Yeah, and I have some stuff to say on that but I want to save it for the end when we get to that part, because I think that actually gets got into. Like, I don't remember 00 very well, but I think that they might be pretending that Celestial Being has made them stop, and then Ireland explodes. But I don't remember the specifics (laughs) of 00 enough to know if that's actually what happens, or if the IRA just stops because Gundams are the answer to car bombing. (laughs) (laughs) To your character point, Tyler, I find that very interesting. Me and Kevin have had a long-running joke on what's a Gundam, that Zex Marquis is the main character. Because we get a lot of stuff following Zax in the same way that we get a bunch of stuff following Graham here. And they're actually positioned to be very similar characters in that way. But I was thinking about character too, and how at this point in Gundam Seed, we've already gotten so deep into Kira and Athrun's heads. And even in Destiny, we get a little bit of that, but I was talking about how I wanted into Shin's head more. And Double-O is not really interested in doing that with its Gundam Meisters.
0: And I kind of wish it was, because they seem like they might be interesting characters, but if they're going to keep not telling me stuff about them, then I'm going to lose interest in them. It's,
2: the, again, I think it goes into the fact that they want to tell a story about the world when what we really want is to know about these characters, but because they're not the world, it doesn't feel like telling us about them.
1: And I think that's why I like the second half of double O so much more is it's way more of the standard character based narrative with each episode ending on a cliffhanger that makes you want to find out what happens next but the first half, and I think the reason many people prefer it, does have a more complex political story to tell, with more factions. And more factions, generally speaking, makes for a more interesting story, because they can play off each other in multiple ways, and you can have more tensions that way. But I very much think that it, the, a weird way, this early on especially, is not interested in telling the story of the Gundam Meisters. It's interested in telling the story of the reaction to them.
0: And I think the problem with that is that we continuously get the same reaction No one's taking action based on their action in a way that, like, advances a plot. Like, I don't know where the show is going, and it has given me zero
2: indication. In my personal opinion, this is something I just was thinking about, because they want to show that story of how people are reacting to the Gundams. I kind of wish we'd gotten an episode zero or something. I know this is a few things that uh, I believe a couple of the Fate series have gone with. An episode zero to tell us about, like, show us what the world looked like before episode one before Exia showed up because we don't have a status quo that doesn't involve the Gundams in the story it kind of tells us about that though It tells us it does not show us so it is an abstract
1: that leads into another very interesting point about this series I think that I was again gonna wait to bring up until the end but you kind of prompted me Zach Gundam 00 is weirdly the Gundam series that takes place in the world closest to our own right And I think that's very much intentional, and that's part of why it doesn't tell you. Because it's 300 years later, which is weird, but the IRA is still actively terrorizing Ireland. There are still religious wars going on in the Middle East. And we've established all these—like, there are still drug problems from Southern America into North America. All the problems are very much the problems that the contemporary world faces.
0: Which is weird to me that that hasn't changed at all in 300 years. That
1: does not
2: surprise me in the slightest. It surprises me
0: because in the actual 300 years leading up yeah, to now... Yeah, think about the year
1: 1700. America yeah. was not yet a country.
0: The same types of problems have continued to happen,
2: but like... That's why it doesn't surprise me over much. Technology will change, but the problems don't go away. Yeah, but the places where they are do. The, like, those not really. Change. The Middle East has been at war since pretty much... The Romans, they've been fighting amongst themselves for that entire time.
1: If you zoom out enough, that's true. But there have been plenty of times of peace. You know, when they invented math. (laughs) (laughs) When the Middle East was the science capital of the world, that thing that Western civilization likes to whistle nonchalantly and ignore a lot of times. I think it's very intentional. I feel like it's on purpose that this is the Gundam series that takes place in the year A.D., and in some ways, that weirdly really feels like it's taking place further in the future, right? Whereas when you hear cosmic era, number, year 70, you can, I think your brain kind of goes, so 70 years in the future, even though that's not necessarily, like, it could be that it could be 500 years in the future. It doesn't matter. I think it's AD on purpose. And the 300 years number is in some ways very weird because it's been so long that it does feel like some of those things should have changed. But I think that they haven't is on purpose. So this world feels as much like ours as possible. They just simplified it down to three nations because that's a lot easier to tell a story with.
0: I think I agree that it's entirely a narrative thing. It's just also like as an outside observer, man, that's kind of weird. Like if I were writing this as a homebrew setting, I'd definitely move some things around.
1: Yeah, it feels weird to me. Again, I was going to save this until the end of the episode, but I think now's a good time to bring it up. It feels weirdly... Disrespectful is the wrong word, so I'm just going to say weird, to have these sci-fi gundam solve real-world problems like this. But I think the reason that it's happening is because of Zack's point. Because we didn't establish this world, so it has to be the world you live in.
0: That's fair. So it does a lot of legwork by yeah,
1: it. And also, I
2: think the reason why they put things in the same place is because it acts as a shorthand, Tyler. If we're told the IRA, is, and these guys have been going at it in Ireland for such a long time, well, I mean, maybe not everybody knows it, but people know that's been a constant problem. And they know what's going on with it. If you were to, say, relocate that same conflict to Australia, that doesn't have quite as much impact be- and kind of needs to be explained. Yeah, because the emus, obviously. The emus have taken over Australia. <laughs> They won the
1: third Emu War. And when the Emu Gundam shows up and Setsuna has to sword fight it for the fate of Australia, that's going to be rad.
2: <laughs> is it piloted by that Liberty Mutual Emu? <laughs> <laughs> the, what is it? The Limu well, Emu? Liberty
1: Mutual definitely sounds like a faction in this series, right? It does? <laughs> Celestial you'll be being. Now you face Liberty Mutual. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what kind of health insurance do you think celestial being has kaiser (laughs) (laughs) do they have dental you think Uh, they
1: probably have a dentist on call i mean we will actually see that they have their own private doctor so all right i think that does it for an intro again we are watching episode three of gundam double o the changing world you can watch along on crunchyroll or i believe funimation as well i think it's on youtube who knows you can find it if you're resourceful and it's (laughs) k So we start off right where we left off, and there is something to be said for that, with Graham Aker being like, ha, who figured I'd r- run into you here? As a Virgo, I feel like it's destiny. It might be because you're an idiot and turned off your cloaking device, though. <laughs> anyway, we will establish later that I am not talking to you, and you are not talking to me, so this is all for me.
2: Yeah, it's I, I very actually weird. Kinda, I actually <laughs> do kind of like how this one does establish, because we, we did have that question a couple of times in Seed as to whether or not they were talking to each other. And this actually establishes pretty early on that the pilots can't
1: actually hear each other. I mean, I think they could be talking to each other because Billy is like, were you talking to him? And he's like, no, of course not. So that means it's possible that he was. But
0: I just know I can feel like he's a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's some sort of
1: anime protagonist. As a Virgo. Graham has got by far the most personality of any character so far, right? Yes. And this is perfectly in keep. This guy would steal your binoculars and say, hey, I said I was going to do it.
2: <laughs> I feel like Sergei actually does have a lot of personality in him as well. He just is more reserved than Graham.
0: Yeah, is. like his personality is just naturally less extroverted.
2: That's fair. I feel like
1: Sergei shows off a lot more of that later. Well, and because but...
2: we see him do something very similar later in this episode. True. To, to this.
1: And they're definitely, I think, on purpose drawing a parallel here.
2: And he says, probably because you weren't.
1: And he actually starts to overpower Exia
2: very briefly.
1: Yeah, before Ketsuna fights back. And Graham's like, oh, he's stronger, but he won't hit me with that big sword. I have some moves. And Setsuna's like, oh, no, he lifted gently to the left.
2: (laughs) Graham just grabs the shoulder of the Exia and tries to rip the arm off. That's what it seems like he's trying to do, is rip a piece off of him.
1: Yeah, definitely that's what Sergei's trying to do, and I'm pretty sure it's what Graham is trying to do as well.
2: And was so like, my bubble, and swats him away. This is actually one of those things, because in the previous episode, he said, I am a Gundam. I think he really identifies it as Exia, so when people actually touch Exia, he feels they're touching himself.
0: It, that hadn't occurred to me, and that's creepy, but I think I agree.
2: So. All the Gundam Meisters are messed up in the head. What about Lock-On?
1: The ones you think are the sanest? so the flag that graham is piloting starts trying to rifle the Exia, but he just effortlessly dodges it he dumps
2: his shield and draws a beam saber which is apparently something new
1: no it's not it shows up in the first episode i double checked we commented on it graham should have seen it he was there
2: i guess it's just a weird plot hole he draws the beam saber and doesn't he, he it's one of the beam daggers he throws it at doesn't he throw one of them at him? Or... I don't.
1: I don't remember what he does, but he definitely pulls the beam saber when he's fighting Patrick Collar. It seems not just like a plot hole to me because later they will play the beam saber card again with Sergey, and it feels like this is supposed to be a cool new feature of the toy that they're advertising for you to pick up the model kit. But we, the audience, have seen it, and Graham Aker has seen it.
2: I mean, with Sergey, it makes a yeah. little bit of sense because.
1: He only believes things he's seen with his own eyes. And the Uh, the particles
2: might have interfered with the video from the particular demonstration. So he may not have actually seen that.
1: Yeah, but Graham was actually Graham was there. He should know this. But he is surprised that a beam saber has cut his rifle in two. And then he's like, yep, I'm out. Yeah, I don't blame him.
0: That seems like a good move.
1: He's been disarmed. He is by far is the best person to go up against a Gundam so far, but he managed to survive. And that was about it. And then we get the opening. It still slaps. I do find it a little jarring that the huge cliffhanger from episode two was, is over before the opening sequence, although it does help to show how outmatched the flag is,
2: I, I suppose. I, I actually kind of like how quick it is because it's such a short interaction. Not only do we get, you know, a lot of character out of Graham as he goes after it, but then immediately like, oh, I am out of my depth here, immediately bails and, goes and runs away. The fact that it is such a short time frame is actually fine. This is almost exactly how I expected it to go,
0: even.
1: It's a weird subversion of the normal Gundam trope, though, because usually the enemy ace manages to put up a very good fight, despite being in greatly inferior technology. Zex basically takes the wing in a Leo. Char runs circles around Amuro. But here, Setsuna is a little taken aback, but still comes out with the clear win.
2: It's more a matter of, I think he he mentions it later on, you know, who was in that flag. Who would sortie alone and go after someone like that? He is more surprised that somebody would have the balls to try and fight him alone, which is apparently not that unusual.
1: <laughs> it's going to happen again this episode. So we get a more abbreviated here's what the status quo is. It's super celestial being focused, which I find an interesting choice that even the narrator is like, who are these celestial being people that are our main characters? It makes them feel like they're the villains in a lot of ways.
2: <laughs> are they not?
1: They have the Gundam Tyler.
2: Therefore, by Gundam definition, they are the protagonists.
1: Who do you think the hero is? Oh, it's Graham Acre, obviously. Yeah,
0: exactly. Graham Acre is the main character of the show.
1: He's going to form a Power Ranger team with Sergei. They're going to have the international Gundam fighters.
2: And they're eventually going to establish the Gundam fight?
1: Yeah. So we cut to the ship that Graham sorted from, talking to Billy, and he's like, man, I lost my rifle, I'm going to have to follow an apology on this. And Billy's like, no, dude, literally, you just had an exchange with it, but that data is more valuable than if you'd lost the flag. And you also brought paint back, which is probably nothing, but it might be something.
2: I mean, it makes sense because they don't actually know where where it was built or anything like that. So any leads they can get to either find the Gundam itself or where it was constructed, or hell, maybe even spare parts. Yeah, I was going to say it's actually kind of wild, but current, real-world forensics,
0: we can actually trace down where paint was made based on trace elements in the paint. Just imagine 300 years from now, the people who write the show don't know that, so it's not gonna nothing's going to come of it.
2: It tracks with what everybody's trying to do, and we will see it again in this episode, where everybody's trying to locate what's going on and where these things are coming from because of how far ahead they are.
1: Anyway, but Grandmaker's like, man, that celestial being pilot sure was a shonen boy, though. <laughs> And Billy's like, Did you talk to him? He's like, No, of course not. I could just tell because I'm very good at mobile suits. I,
2: I saw his emotions in the movements of his mobile suit. Yeah, I lo- love how Billy's just like, uh, Okay, uh. sure, nod and smile. As a
0: Virgo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then uh, we get a non announcement that they lost the Gundam. I like Graham's response to that of, Well, we got dumped. The G in Gundam stands for girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was talking about, where Setsuna's like, Who was in that mobile suit?
1: He might be my rival. Cut to the Japan News Network headquarters. Going crazy over this? Yep, we're like, has Celestial being had an announcement? Do we have any pictures? Bring me pictures of Gundam Man!
0: G. Gona Gamison.
1: Somebody tries to tell him that Canu has got on an assignment, but he's like, that can wait. I don't care about her. She's voiced by the same person as Millie in the dub. She's well, probably not important. Mainly
2: that she's currently investigating the Shenberg angle, <laughs> yeah. is what I kind of thought he was trying to tell him.
1: Because we then cut to her in the computer room. There were computers in the the newsroom, but they're just servers
0: She's in the server room. It's where they keep the archival data. It's actually on, like, whatever the equivalent of
1: tape is. They have a Windows 10 PC here. So if (laughs) you need to go into old, like, the old Internet or old computer files...
2: (laughs) What what you can't see is the PC that's just to her left that is running Windows 98 and has a floppy drive.
1: So we get some exposition on him. He was a legendary scientist and inventor in the late twenty-first century. He was the
2: twenty-first century's William Tesla, or sorry, William Tesla. William Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say Tesla. I am
1: William Tesla. He he's not really Tesla though, because he's more famous than that, right? He's more like Einstein. I think. I see what you're going. I say for Tesla because, word, because
2: he actually invented it, and he didn't steal other people's no, no, inventions. He's definitely oh, not Edison, Zach. Okay, I was, when, when you said Edison, uh, when, when you said
1: um, Dr. Einstein.
2: I was thinking Edison. Where did William come from? Wouldn't I like to well, know? you see,
1: David Bowie played him. Oh wait. So basically he invented the solar power technology that they currently have or at least outlined the theory. When this he is was like... a recluse. Yeah, I can see why you went for Tesla, but it's like and no one remembers anything about him except he's super famous. Yeah, it would make sense if this guy made celestial being. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, especially because we'll find out uh, a little bit later that no one knows what happened to his fortune either. So, is the fact that we only ever see him
0: in this one outfit like is he a hologram? Is this a pre-recorded message? I mean, I, I don't think know you're supposed to be asking today. these
1: questions. That's like, fair. is this guy still alive?
0: Yeah, my current theory is no, he is not.
2: My theory is simply that it was a pre-recorded message. And the reason why they're making their move 200 years after he died is purely because this is how long it took to get that particular technology up and running. Yeah, that's my theory as well.
1: I think the fact that she asked this question is indicative that we, the audience, are supposed to be asking this question.
2: Especially because we will, the technology aspect of things, because
1: they don't have a lot of it. Cut to MI6, where James Bond is reporting, Oh yes, Alyosha Henberg, he was the genius scientist who invented solar power. He had no children, as I recall.
2: I don't feel like we really need this scene because it's just reiterating things we just
1: got. I think this is to show that the governments are also on this lead. That it's not just this one reporter who's like, oh, I'm super smart and plucky and I'm going to go on this way. I just wish
2: we had a little bit of you know, additional information that we did literally just get. Security in the 21st century was pretty much non-existent.
1: They didn't even invent the double blockchain yet.
2: <laughs> As comparison to 300 years later, of course not.
1: Asha Hensberg hit his fortune by hiding it all in Dogecoin.
2: <laughs> no, he pioneered the Gundam coin, which is why nobody actually found it. Which was shortened to the G coin, of course. Of course, <laughs> obviously. I was thinking, thinking he took Dogecoin to the moon. I <laughs> guess we just get a comment about how meticulous they are
1: and like secretary you think they'll continue their armed interventions like why would they stop now
2: <laughs> so far they haven't had anybody lose anything or they haven't even been damaged yet as Oops. nobody knows that gay, you know jumped one of them
0: and to be fair the guy's like yeah why would they not
1: cut to the human reform league's elevator and then we scroll down it to the bottom <laughs> to the arrivals terminal this scene is important for world building but this is the one i would cut personally I think it works
2: because it kind of establishes a couple of things like the Gundams can't go back to space on their own.
1: Yes, that's important. um,
2: Mostly because of hallelujah looking to the audience and nodding and saying, hey, look at what we can do. Like, let me explain our weaknesses
1: in public real quick for the audience. And Sets is like, please stop.
2: I'm the dumb kid. Please stop. Like when I first saw this scene, when I first watched this series, my immediate thought was, you guys are highly wanted individuals. Um, you're going to meet in public and, but then my brain took over and was, with this watch through and was like. Nobody knows what they look like. Nobody and, knows who they are. Yeah. It's and like, have, do you remember the last time you were walking through an area and you actually remembered the faces and what the people around you were talking
1: about? Yeah. It's that amazing episode of Justice League where the Flash and Lex Luthor switch bodies and the Lex, Flash, Lex Luthor in the Flash's body is trying to avoid the Justice League and hides in the bathroom. He's like, well, at least I can discover the Flash's secret identity. And he uh, rips off his mouth and goes, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> I do like the way this builds this world, though, that these giant space towers are also literal elevators to bring people and cargo to space. They look like
2: monorails.
1: Yeah. And the, like, airport setup is good. Although, these standing tables are a little weird. I think these might have been, like, in vogue in Japan at the time.
2: That's possible. I'd use them, for sure, at an airport terminal.
1: Like, I can see a cafe having these.
2: Today. I think this is the first time we see all of the the pilots in their uh, civilian
1: gear. Uh, Setsuna his last. Walk-on teases him about it. And tiaria a, a well-adjusted human being, is like, I thought you died.
2: <laughs> and Alleluia being, you know, more concerned is like, did something happen to you?
1: He's like, I submitted a report to VEDA, capitalized in the subtitles to add one more proper noun. We didn't have enough last week. And Tiara's like, well, I'm going to look at it. And Setson's like, yeah, whatever, dude.
2: It's weird because, like, previously it seemed like Lockon was kind of the guy in charge. But with this line, it kind of seems like Thierry is supposed to be in charge. What what
0: I get from this is Lock-On's the guy in charge, but Thierry is the guy who actually does all the work. No, He's his secretary.
1: I was going to say Lock-On's in charge, but Thierry is, like, the class pet, like, class rep. Like, oh, we have to do everything right. Guy who yells at you for doing something wrong.
2: And then Lockon comes like, well, the main thing is we're all safe. Now, Tiara, go look after space.
1: Yeah, I
0: love that he's just like, take care of space, Katra.
1: (laughs) It's small, relatively speaking, right? Compared (laughs) to what we're going to be doing. We have our next mission. Tiara, to further his dickish, is like, I'll follow my orders. But I have doubts. Why do we let that drunk woman come up with our plans?
2: Also, well, I mean, he already expressed that he's not entirely sure why it picked Setsuna. Why whatever Veda is picked Setsuna, because it has been mentioned already.
1: So the waiter arrives with their drinks. The dub does this really weird thing where Tiara goes, I'll follow them, but I'm not sure about my orders. And the waiter says, here are your orders. And it's like, (laughs) synonyms, my friend. So Uh, Setsuna has milk. And he's like, milk and lock on. It's like, ain't I a stinker? You're a baby.
2: (laughs) It's on me. I love lock on. He's great. And so they, uh I, I believe, is this Alleluia or is this Thierryus asking, you know, is it really possible for us to send our units back to space using the elevator?
1: It's Alleluia is asking, but this is just exposition. It doesn't it, matter which Hallelujah Alleluia
2: is, is, is acting as the uh exposition mouthpiece. Somebody ha- was like, well, we have to tell the audience all this crap, so you're the guy that got nominated. I do like
0: that they say it's mixed in with development materials. How do they mix in an entire Gundam
2: with a bunch of I-beams?
1: Well, I, I assume that, like, it's a very large crate. Like, I'm imagining, like, a shipping container. Okay. Well, we,
2: we see what container it is. It's that big circular, like, container. And I feel like the colony development materials are in similar crates, so they all have the
1: same weight and whatnot. And I imagine it's probably, like, covered in material, so if you, like, opened it up... Like, you'd have you to actually sift through.
2: <laughs> can you imagine being that customs inspector? You open it up to have a look at a random crate, and it's like...
1: <gasps> it's a Gundam? <laughs> I saw it on the news. Oh, no, it's the one with the big cannon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, can you imagine airport security with no checks after that?
2: <laughs> well, they already went through the checks and right now. And now Alleluia is like, you know what? I'm going to tell everybody about our weaknesses...
1: Particularly, how without the Gundams, the Ptolemaeus operating time is limited.
2: Because they only have four solar reactors, which is presumably what the Gundams are running on.
0: And it's weird to me that the Ptolemaeus doesn't have its own energy supply.
1: Yeah, I assume it has to be supplied by one of these, and they could only produce four. So. That's fair.
0: Like, I like it as an idea, it's just also weird in universe. I think there's a
2: side story where there's a fifth because there's
1: yeah, another there guy, run-
2: there's another one running around, and they have four Gundams but only one reactor. So they have to move it between them and it's the guy's actually a terrorist. <laughs> like he's completely insane, like even more so than these guys are.
1: Yep, there is. A, I believe it was a manga. It is in SD Generations Crossrace. That's I how I know it. about it. Their solar reactor will actually have a small impact on the plot of the anime. So that extra one that's running out there.
2: Yeah, so Setsuna just puts his hand on all over his shoulders. Like, don't talk about our secrets in public. I'm like, yeah, you should really know better than that. But at the same time, exactly what I already said. Who's going to be paying attention to these guys and actually listening to what they're saying? Or know what the Ptolemaeus is? But at the same time, like, there's no reason to run the risk in, pu- in a public space like this. It's basic OPSEC.
1: Yeah. Stiaria looking the most casual businessman possible. is just like, finally, I can go back to space. Earth sucks. In his own private little car. I hate gravity so much. So the rest of the Gundam Meisters are leaving, and we pan over to the next terminal where the Human Reform League army is picking up Colonel Sergei.
2: I just love how Lock-On is so casual about all of this, and then there are just these guys in the next
1: terminal over. I'm sorry, Lieutenant Colonel Sergei.
2: What did you call him there? Colonel.
1: Colonel. I promoted him. <laughs> he deserves it.
2: He, he's not a full <laughs> bird colonel yet. I would not be surprised if he gets that appellation by the end of this series. I actually like this exchange. Um, it contrasts the areas.
1: Yeah. yeah. Where like, man, I love gravity. It's comforting. You don't just like have people randomly st- standing parallel to you and you know that's not possible.
2: I will say, I actually really like the design on Colonel Sergei.
1: He's a good character design. Um, yeah, Lieutenant lie Colonel
2: Car- Sergei. Because he's also very much a contrast to Graham Aker. Because he doesn't have the pretty boy good looks. He looks very much, you know, the serious officer. Yeah, he looks like a military veteran. He looks like he's been around the block a few times. Yeah,
1: Despite very much being the equivalent character from the Human Reform League, as Graham Acre is to the Union. So, like, the commander is waiting. This way, please. He's like, no, I'd rather go to Ceylon first. Small detour to that country. I have no idea. Presumably we're close to Ceylon. This is where the Gundam pilots rendezvoused after that. I'm assuming we're pretty close. And he's like, I only believe things I've seen with my own eyes. But the battle isn't going on there, sir. I'll- I don't believe that a battle occurred.
2: <laughs> and apparently the, the commander will understand. Although I think Lieutenant Colonel outranks commander anyway. But then we jump back to m Squad.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Mobile Suit Weapons in Development.
2: Okay, that would make sense as to why even the in in, uh, on in the pamphlets. Well, it's not in the pamphlets, but yes, that is another place. But I was more thinking like, the Japanese text down here just says MSWAT in big yeah.
1: letters. Well, and it'll be on their um, orders, orders yeah. as well. Yeah, I can't think of anything else it would stand for. I don't know that for sure, but...
2: That would make sense. I, I would believe it. I'm going to go with that for lack of anything else.
1: So, again, not to talk about the dub too much, but they meet with their commanding officer, who in the dub is voiced by the most mustache-twirling, generic evil commander. I'm pretty sure it's exactly the same one that puts Maru on trial in Gundam Seed. And he's just like, I am so clearly evil. No, I won't be in the series after this, nor will I do anything nefarious. <laughs> but I am evil, and it's important that you know that.
2: <laughs> so he's, he's talking to Graham and Billy, and so you were there to see the enact. You got to see a Gundam instead.
1: It's, it seems like it's a debriefing, basically. And Billy Cotarag is like, I think it's worth researching. It's like, well, it looks like our superiors feel the same way. I've got transfer orders for you.
0: Well, let, let me rephrase that, Billy, as a Taurus. <laughs> I did look it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you've actually seen a Gundam, so they want you on Gundam catchers. It Who are you going to ma- call? You too.
2: <laughs> it, it actually makes sense because they've dealt with it already. Yes, it does. And it, so it's like, we don't need to bring you up to speed.
1: And they're like, the Anti-Gundam Investigation Task Force. Like, yeah, I'm sure it'll come up with a cool name like Gundam Busters. Or they're, something the, too. They're, they're the egg- Agate. <laughs> But for now, just anti-gun the first. And Billy's like, oh, Ralph Eifman's going to be there. He's my hero senpai. I hope he notices me.
2: And apparently this guy is such a big wig that it shows how serious everything is that he's going to participate.
1: So Graham Aker says their names again for the audience. And I do love that we kept them leaving. So Billy's like, well, that was a surprise. Did you predict this was going to happen? And Graham's like, uh uh no, I'm not that good at this. I'm not that crazy savant. I'm only one chess move ahead. But I do feel like this is fate, as a Taurus. (laughs) No, as a Virgo.
0: (laughs) I also just looked it up. Apparently, Taurus and Virgo get along very well romantically.
1: Well, yeah. That checks out. If Setsuna is also a Taurus, that checks out especially well.
2: (laughs) But then we cut to a random... I mean, this is a pretty rad campus, not gonna lie. But we cut to a random school where someone is giving a lecture on the problems in Ireland with the IRA and the like.
1: What a class to be in
2: in Japan. (laughs) (laughs) for engineering students
1: yeah well to be fair they will at least comment on that but we see that Saji and Louise are in this class two of
2: these characters are characters you should care about because the one while he looks like your generic student is uh has a different expression and look about him and the other one is blonde
1: yep (laughs) so we cut to them at lunch later, and he's like, "Oh man, another term paper. Why do we even need history credits when we're engineering majors? We're engineering majors. That might be important. Audience, please remember it." I do wonder if we're supposed to think they're in high school or college, or if this is just a Japanese high school thing, or if in the future high schools have majors and the education system is more reasonable. Um, I was applying I that it
2: to. I was applying it to college because she mentions being uh, an overseas uh, transfer.
1: I mean, we had those in high school. Do we know how old they are? I'm sure we do, but I don't. I read them as high school. I mean, definitely this is a very college situation, but I- I'm willing to buy either it's just because it's Japan and high school is more like college there, or it's the future and the education system sucks less.
2: Or this is a hybrid situation where they are like in college classes. In as college high classes, you know, it's kind of this weird in in uh in between.
1: So anyway, she continues to expose exposit, it's like, your careers are probably going to be all about the maintenance of orbital elevators and their further development, so you need to learn about other cultures to get along with them. You know, the same reason we make everybody take general ed credits.
0: So, 17, very inconclusive.
1: Because that could be either one. That it could be sure early college could. or
2: late high school.
1: Yeah, especially if, like, you would think if it was high school, they would be through with their general education credits. But then again, it's high school. You save those for last. But that's an American high school thing, not a Japanese high school. And Louise is like, come on. It's the whole reason I was able to come here as an exchange student. So I'm not just a random blonde lady in Japan. I am vaguely Western.
2: I, I love how he sounds
1: bored when he says, I'm very thankful for that. And she's like, really? Do you ever think of the future, Saji? And he's like, well, vaguely. vaguely? <laughs> and she's like, am I in it? I <laughs> love He's like, um vaguely <laughs>
2: <laughs> clearly there is uh in case we hadn't picked up on it already there's something between these two
1: well i, I think this is i really like this scene because it explicitly paints them as a couple which they already had very heavy couple energy but you know how anime is they could just they could easily be childhood friends that are dumb and can't realize that they're both super attracted to each other and this pushes them over that line or this yeah. scene tells us they are over that
2: line. Because she stands up and, like, storms off and then turns around and is like, this is where you're supposed to chase after me. Yeah, I love Sajay's response.
0: He starts to complain about women, and she's like, you're supposed to be following me right now as I'm storming
2: off.
1: in a hypothesis. I love how
2: everybody is, like, laughing in this, yeah. in this cafeteria, too, during this.
1: Well, I've talked about how, for the most part, Double-O is not as efficient with character, but this is a hugely character-efficient scene. With the way Luis takes control of him so much and...
2: I feel like this is something that happens on a fairly regular basis, which is why everybody finds it so funny. It's like, they're at it
1: again. And he's like, oh, yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) Please come back. (laughs) Cut to a fancy bar where Chun-Li is drinking a cocktail.
2: She's drinking a soft drink.
1: Yeah, you're right. Because Alejandro Corner, we don't know his name yet, but I'm done not saying people's names other than (laughs) Chun-Li. Shows up to like. I recommend the original cocktail they serve here. It's and we find good. out that
2: she is a minor.
1: It's like my mistake. I will order the original. And she's like, so if you're buying the Gundam fight on pay per view, there are three, so you're gonna want three monitors to follow it closely.
0: He's like, I was only gonna follow the heavyweight, but it's in space.
1: Uh, so we cut over to the bar. We, we see Chun Li's bodyguard just kind of scowling, and then from off screen, Ribbons asks, "You like to watch?" Which like is such a perplexing line to me. It sounds like he's talking about the two of them having sex every time I watch it in the <laughs> dub in this version, or like he's like implying that is a joke at least, and it doesn't make any sense to me. I got that same thing and was like,
0: "This is so random." I feel like it would be much more appropriate to be like, "Do you like to watch people or something?" It like, oh no,
1: especially since we as the audience know these people are with those people, so. I don't know. It's just weird. But then we get the distinct lack of eye catch.
0: Hello, and thank you for surring at Sergey's eyes with us. Welcome to Gundam 003. No particular announcements this week, although we are recording a spooky Patreon bonus episode on Hey Ghost, Let's Fight this week, which is a South Korean TV show that's basically a what if live action Yu Yu Hakusho. show. I'm pretty excited. Speaking of our Patreon, you can head on over to. Patreon.com slash lastpodcasts if you want to throw money at us to help us produce the show. Um, or if you just like us. Also valid. And a special thank to our newest patron. I hope I'm saying this right. Yatzec. Thanks. Your support means a ton to us. I think that's the closest to actual news I had, so I'm sparing you all skit this week. But next week. Oh, just wait for next week. All right, now let's go see what Sergei's eyes can see.
1: Cut to the island of ceylon (laughs) where we see the human reform league base and they are showing the colonel the recovered rocket pod off the gundam curios
2: i really like the fact that they show that they recovered it and are studying it because it goes into that same thing that we were talking about before with the acres scraping off paint onto the off the exia like yeah we're trying to find out everything we can about these things so this one left it behind maybe we can find something
1: but he's basically like, yeah, this uses a missile type that is not produced by anyone. Yeah, it, Like,
2: it's bog standard everywhere except for the warhead. And there's no new technology
1: in it. And I do love that Sergey is like, this is basically unclassified technology to them. They would not have let us have it if there was anything we could find from it. They're not amateurs.
2: This is one thing that is usually phrased pretty badly, the for your information statement. But I would honestly believe that the tech wouldn't necessarily know if Sergei knew that anybody actually... Nobody known made the type of missiles that were found in the crate. The
1: the tech itself probably had to look into it. So cut to Billy and Graham talking about the fight based on the data from the flag and the damage it took.
2: According to Billy, the XT has about six times the output of the flag.
0: Can I just point out how stylish Billy is, even while wearing a goddamn lab coat, or is he still in his suit? He's still in his suit. Okay, never mind then.
1: Graham's like, also, it was way more maneuverable. And he's like, I'm pretty sure that the maneuverability comes from the particles, and we also see Sergei is also having this discussion with his text, with his text,
2: and he makes the logical leap of that must be why the particle, the particles are why they don't
1: show up on radar. And Graham is like, yeah, they're not just for stealth or jamming radar; they also control the machine, which is just like we can't even fathom it. And then an old, old man comes from off screen is like, it's also probably used in their weaponry. Do we have beam weapons on a flag? Who knows. Pro- I don't think so. I think it's a railgun. I think so too. I think you're probably right. But I don't know that. And the, don't go on to telling us. I'm pretty sure Beam Technology is new with these gun I'm
2: mostly remembering because I think one of its attacks in SD Gundam Generations is a railgun. Rail and
1: Billy Kataragi, healthy, is like, oh my god, Ralph Eifman Senpai.
2: <laughs> that is literally just to tell us his name because otherwise I feel like most people will just greet this dude as Professor if you already knew who he was.
1: Professor Eifman, maybe.
2: True, but you wouldn't use the full name. No. Yeah, well, he's not Eifman,
0: Professor Eifman.
2: And he just goes into telling us about how uh, Schenberg has technology from 200, he developed technology 200 years ago that's more advanced than what they're using now.
1: Sergei also knows who he is. And the Human Reform League is also looking into him. But Sergei's like, they won't find anything. It's the same as this that they don't care about. Everything they're telling us is unimportant. I mean, Cut to uh, Eifman, who's like, if possible, I'd like to capture a Gundam. And, and Grammaker's like, fuck yeah, old man. know Yo, you're talking my language. Let's do it. And to that end, I would like you to modify this flag. I do not care about pilot safety. If I learned anything from watching Zex Marquis, it's it, it just slows everything down. However, I would like it done in a week.
2: And I would like it painted red. <laughs> <laughs> I know Graham seems like a blue person. Well, he knows his place is the rival character. Therefore, it must be
0: painted red. That I feel like he's too happy-go-lucky to be a Shar. That seems like Sergey's thing.
2: Depends on which portion of Shar you're talking about. Yeah, I,
1: I subscribe to a three Shar's and double O theory. Graham Aker is original shark the rival. Okay. Uh, Sergey is the this. You will not get that from this episode, but he is the Quattro Bagina mentor Shar. Okay. You will, I think, as the series goes on, my point will be borne out. But certainly it is not there yet. Oh,
2: yeah. The the red char is the other guy, the one that we haven't met yet. And
1: and there's a third char, just like there are three jokers. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay, yeah, I'd forgotten that he was, all of his are red.
1: Yeah. Anyway, Professor Eifman's like, yeah, you don't ask for much, huh, kid? And he's like, well, if we're courting a Gundam, we'll have to be a little aggressive. And I do love that they're just full on in this, like, courtship metaphor with Billy being like, yeah, he's kind of in love.
2: I actually do like how Graham is just like, yep, we got to go all in. If we want to win this thing,
1: we have to do everything possible. So anyway, Graham gets a call. I don't know why it's Graham specifically. I could buy all of them or I could buy Eifman. But anyway, he gets a call and they're like, what Gundams have appeared?
2: I I feel like it might have been a situation where he told somebody to let him know, let him know if the Gundams ever showed up. And Eifman hadn't necessarily like, I feel like Eifman just showed up on the base where they are and Billy isn't going to think of it but Graham is so infatuated with this whole idea that he made sure to tell somebody if they show up again
0: call me Eifman's phone is still in airplane
2: mode from the trip here
1: yeah exactly (laughs) we also see that Sergei is also being told this and the Gundams have appeared in two locations
2: well we'll find out there are actually three locations
1: yeah one of which is South Africa because there's a civil war there over (laughs) mineral rights and we see that it's just a bunch of like construction mechs loaded with guns taking pot shots at the dynamis which has these little pistols it's just like lazily shooting to the sides it's not of even them. it's
2: not even shooting both of them it's like it's shooting one of them and it's like picking off the guns and then later on it's like all right i'm just gonna start uh, shooting at somebody's feet till he drops the guns i love lock on's line of this is just like bullying he sounds like the voice actor does a pretty good he sounds kind of bored like i i want to go home and watch matlock type of thing
0: <laughs> but eventually they do throw down their arms.
2: Well, I mean, he's just
1: standing there taking everything they can get. And
2: wouldn't you run?
1: So we see Graham about to get into, I presume, his broken flag because it's the only one we've seen here. But then Professor Eifman is like, don't go. And he's like, why? We can catch it. We can get there. I have enough fuel.
2: I love Eifman's response to this.
1: I hate drugs so much. <laughs> he's so basically let's like, just let them burn them all. I am a high enough rank to abuse my power. We're letting them have this one. <laughs> I hate narcotics. They're the worst. Let them burn. I feel like Graham
2: wasn't thinking it through as to why they were there. Whereas Eifman already
1: has. It does kind of make Eifman seem smart, I guess. It's like the wrong kind of smart to make him seem, I feel like. And I don't really know that we needed him to sell this on us, but...
0: I feel like establishing that he is several types of smart might be useful. But sure. I, I don't know much about his character yet, so...
1: fair. We know he's smart. Cut to the Kyrgios doing a bombing run on what appears to be one farm. Well, he, he, presumably, because
2: he, he says uh, 30 minutes circling is done. So presumably he's been circling this one farm for thir- the last half hour, telling people to get out of the way before he bombs this one farm.
1: Yeah, it's just like the one farm thing. Like a lot of the comments on Crunchyroll were people like, oh, that's if like the drug lords got their place bombed, they wouldn't respond by stopping, which I think is partially true. But my more thing is like they got more than one farm probably if they're a decent operation.
2: If they're a they're decent sized operation, one farm is annoying, not pro, not a problem. It turns out they're growing hyper
0: opium, though. <laughs> and, the and legendary super grows opium? <laughs> in this
1: one spot. I mean, maybe we're supposed to infer he did a lot of bombing runs. There's no reason for us to focus on this, but it does sound out weird to me. And Alleluia is like, yeah, I didn't murder anyone. I like this a lot more than when I have to murder someone's. 97% of objective complete. So I'm calling this one good. Fire spreads. It'll be fine.
2: Well, it also makes sense. You can't really, you, you can't logically expect 100%. You can't logically expect perfection.
1: And a third unit has appeared on Ceylon. Because Just
2: they... close enough for
1: Sergey to get involved. I do kind of like the idea that the Gundam Meisters have accepted. Yeah, we're going to have to do this in the same place multiple times even. And they're not doing as big a show of force. They really didn't need to in the first place. But... Well, they came in with overwhelming force to send a message the first time
2: around. That's what the point was.
1: And so is like, hey, is there a Tierra in here I can use? I'm not even a colonel. I can definitely still deploy.
2: I want to go look at it because I only believe things with my own eyes. (laughs) One thing that this series does, and we'll see it here again, uh, at least so far, I, I really like... Is that the mobile suits don't take one bit of damage and immediately explode in a huge fireball? We see mechs going down damaged, but not necessarily pilot kills. Yeah, and some of them mission kills.
0: Yeah, some of them like explode a little bit. Some of them explode more, but like it's not just a huge
1: fireball.
2: Yeah, it's not a fireball every time.
1: Speaking (laughs) of the Exia, has just cut something in half and it exploded. (laughs) But
2: the thing is, you can see it on the ground. There remains.
1: Yeah, Uh, the other pilots are like, ah, crap. The Exeus looks so thin. Yeah, I kind of like that about it. But I will agree with you. I, it just—it looks sleek to me. Like, it looks like it has the smallest frame possible to avoid fire it's, and it's just
2: quickly. The, the, the torso under its chest, like, the, where the stomach would be, looks so thin. Like, it's trying to do an, the whole hourglass figure thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, like, see him cut deep into a lot of these mobile suits, and they go down. Like, he even cuts one in half, and it doesn't actually completely explode.
1: It's cool having a budget. Half of it explodes.
2: I like that because they're not made of, you know... Nitrogen. Tokyo.
1: (laughs) They're not made of just tin and kindling. Uh, But then this with, like, a bombing run unit comes by and tries to strafe him. And it is distinctly,
2: and it is brown as opposed to the green. I gotta say, the Human Reform League, like, pilot suits remind me a lot of the Imperial uh, TIE
1: TIE Fighter pilots. Yeah, well, they're the Russian Chinese. Can you think of an evil or empire? Although I joke about that. Sergei is definitely supposed to be a sympathetic character. And I find that very interesting. So he's like, ah, it's a Gundam.
2: I love how Setsuna just kind of stands there and watches this dude come in for a landing.
1: Well, I assume this flight unit is not very good flight unit. I assume he cannot hover. Although I do like the way it folds up.
2: I like all of that. I just like how Setsuna specifically is just standing
1: there watching him. And then he drops Sergei, drops his gun and pulls out a knife thing. And is like, what is this motherfucker up to? You know what I that knife like... thing
0: reminded me
2: of? It's a pizza cutter.
1: <laughs> it, it is one of those pizza cutters. <laughs> well, look, Code Geass was airing at the same time.
2: I feel like Sergey. somebody told him that the guns don't work. So it's like, all right, I'll use the sword thingy.
1: And in contrast to the grand fight, it does seem like Sergei and Setsuna are having a conversation. Sergei says, show me your resolve to eradicate war. And then attacks. So Setsuna effortlessly cuts off the pizza cutter hand. But Sergei's like, ah, you've activated my trap card. Knowing the grappling rules. <laughs> only an old experienced commander would dare contend with the grappling rules.
2: I, I do love how like he cuts off the arm and then sets in a, you know, being super confident, like starts to turn around like, haha, he's probably lo- running now. Only to get Sergei's hand to the face as he grabs his head. This Tiaran is so much bigger than the Exia.
1: And I love that the way the shot is framed, we see the severed arm fall into frame from it with a nice thunk. And all of Setsuna's sensors are down because they're all on the head, I guess.
2: Warning! Error! And uh, he can't get any leverage on the big sword, so it doesn't do any damage to the arm.
1: And Sergei's like, I'm taking your head! That will help us find something at least, even if it's just your super cool sensors. But Setsun is like, no, and pulls the beam saber. And again, it feels like a reveal moment. Like, this is supposed to be the first time we learn that he has a beam saber and not the third.
2: He drops the shield first, because apparently the other hand is, like, hard locked to that gun sword thing. I think it also demonstrates pretty
0: explicitly here that the beam saber has way more cutting power than big sword. Making me wonder why it has big sword at all.
1: There are reasons for it to have Big Sword, but I also have those questions. Especially since, like you said, the beam saber seems way more efficient. Unless it's to hide the beam saber technology, and Setsuna has done an awful job. But <laughs> one thing I really like about Double O, and we've kind of talked around it, it's going to make ranking the Gundams, or like when we rank the Gundams on our list, a little difficult. Because they make a huge priority, and lot of, in a lot of the episodes the stakes are, how can we solve this while showing the fewest number of features on our Gundams that we don't want to reveal? Rather than how can we stop this because they have the all powerful Gundams.
2: I feel like the Big Sword is specifically there. Like my thought is that maybe the beam savers use too much additional energy to get that high powered cutting ability, and the Big Sword is usually gonna be just, just more efficient. A generally more efficient option.
0: Anyway, he cuts off Sergei's other arm and, and then cuts him off. and then savers him.
1: No, he only gets half of it. It's a half savior. And then Sergei is here and explodes. I do love the shot of the Exia ripping the hand off it.
0: It is a cool shot. And now once more, says, don't touch me. da da da
1: Cut to space. Where a random capsule is just floating away, and we find out the virtues inside. And Tiara got in somehow. I do kind of like this as a way to smuggle the Gundam out. It's full of holes, and I don't think it would work in the real world, but I like it as a fictional construct.
2: I think there are too many instances where somebody would be checking on all of the cargo that comes in, so unless they paid somebody off... I was going
0: to say, what you have underestimated is bribes.
1: And how lazy workers are. Because I assume the way they check most of these is just weighing the containers. And they and checking against the manifest,
2: unless something comes up differently.
1: Yeah. So T R F flies back to the Ptolemaeus... And we see it dock in one of those four pods.
2: It's got a pretty cool looking docking system.
0: Yeah, it lights up a little runway and it's like... Oh no, it's neat. I
2: like the Ptolemaeus a lot, actually. I like it a lot in context with this series. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's one of those you would never pick it in a Gundam Tactics game. But it's a very purpose-built ship and that's cool. So they plug the Virtue into the ship so they can recharge. Yeah, so apparently they've only got four of these GN drives. Yeah, as I said earlier, but yes.
2: So the Ptolemaeus is uh, presumably running on some kind of aux power while they're gone.
1: Yeah, it probably has some sort of capacitor, would be my guess.
2: We normally call those batteries.
1: A battery is a capacitor.
2: Uh-huh, exactly. Capacitor is just a fancy battery.
0: Arguably, a battery is a fancy capacitor. Capacitors come in lots <laughs> of shapes, but...
2: I guess capacitor is a fancy word for battery. Yeah.
1: So is like, hey, how'd the mission go? And Tiara's like, fine. She's like, great, let's have a toast. And he's like, I politely refuse.
0: And she's like, oh, but I wanted to get day drunk. <laughs> you're no
2: fun. I guess I'll just have to get day drunk by myself, being depressed about how you're no fun.
1: Cut to some apartments. We see Saji going into his, but he sees someone next to him. And, oh, it's a Setsuna. And he's like, hey, are you my neighbor? Why have I never seen you? Or introduced myself
2: to you before my my theory at least part of this is that Setsuna has recently moved into this apartment
1: i agree with you it's just the way saji says it it's not like oh hey are you my new neighbor it's it's like are you my
0: neighbor like he's lived here for years (laughs) i was gonna say like he's mr rogers
1: (laughs) yeah that's also where i was going with it anyway his
0: last name is crossroad (laughs) yep holy crap
1: (laughs) it's subtle no it's not (laughs) i'm saji crossroad i live here with my older sister
2: or anime characters, parents are not allowed. And so Setsuna, we just went
1: Setsuna FSA.
2: And Saji's like, that's an unusual name. It's nice to meet And Setsuna's just like, fuck off, I'm leaving. It's not quite to the same degree as Hero ripping the invitation. No, he does not threaten to kill <laughs> Saji Crossroad.
1: He just threatens to end this social interaction.
2: <laughs> he doesn't threaten to end the social interaction. He just, he does. just does. He's just,
1: unlike Hero. Setsuna makes good on his threats. <laughs> So Saji rocks in and, hey, he's Kanu's brother. I was actually
0: going to ask if this was supposed to be the same character. Right? Like, you don't see her face front on at any point
1: here. But she does say she's been busy because of Celestial being, so. yeah, I thought we saw
2: them together at one point, but I we guess might this have. is the first, I the, think this is actually the first time. The opening sequence you have, so. Okay, but, it's, but we haven't seen them actually interact in the series
1: yet. Yeah, this is the first time we're, we're starting to tie characters together. Saji's important because he sets in his neighbor. She is relevant because she is Saji's sister. Luis is his girlfriend, so that's important. We have all these characters and we're slowly starting to tighten them and put them in a web. So she's like, make yourself dinner. And his girlfriend calls, so she he answers like, hey, what's up? And she's like, hey, turn on the news.
2: I, I do like how his meteor reaction is, what is it? It's not like this is a series where I can just turn on the news and find the immediate relevant information.
1: This isn't the future where we don't have a... Uh, A 24-hour news cycle. Can you just Google it if you want to learn something?
2: But he finds out that the real IRA has announced that they are stopping all operations because of Gundams. Not sure how Gundams, like Jeremy said, are going to stop car bombings, but okay. They're
0: uh, really afraid of being Gundamed.
1: Yeah, this is super weird to me. And like I said, part of me thinks that... This is like a ploy a on the IRA, but I don't remember if that's true or not. I don't it, remember Gundam 00 enough to know.
2: It feels like it because on the way these Gundams are, they can't hold territory in any way, shape, or form, so they can't deal with small level threats or guerrilla threats because it's like, yes, we showed up and we attacked every big thing.
1: They are the guerrilla threat.
2: Kind of, but they, there are smaller level guerrilla threats that they can't even touch.
1: Yeah, and they have not interacted with the IRA at all which makes it feel really weird that they're the first to surrender. you think it would be like Ceylon, who they have intervened with multiple times. It also just feels weird to me to suggest that these fantasy Gundams are ending a real-world conflict. I mean, I guess that's something sci-fi is for, but it just feels weird to I mean, the closest
2: me. thing to interacting with something on this level was bombing the farm of narcotics. Yeah. That's the closest we've gotten so far.
1: And so Luis is like, I wonder how that's going to affect our term paper. ha! <laughs>
2: I mean, they're students. Of course, yeah. that's where they're going to think first. I actually kind of agree with Jeremy. I, I don't I don't remember if this is a play or anything like that, but I would bet it is.
1: But Saji is like, oh, man, like they actually accomplished something. Whereas he, we've already seen, he's the one who's like, hey, do you think they're real? But he's like, they actually like made a change on the world. They did something.
0: And then we, like, we cut over to Setsuna. Drumping bro- in bed? Yeah, being broody in his bedroom. Kind of a weird place to end the episode, but I also kind of like it because it's like the theme of the show. Well, And
2: we ended on a hard cliffhanger last time, so it's okay to end on more of a a soft think about this type of situation uh, moment here.
1: Yeah, I think the lack of cliffhanger energy is one of the reasons I didn't continue with the series, though. Now, I'm not saying that if there had been a really strong one, I would have, because like I said, I think it was a lot my circumstances more than the series, but... It just feels weird, especially after that super aggressive cliffhanger last time.
0: Anyway, we cut to the ending where there were some wishes over their airspace.
1: No, that's the opening.
0: In the form of doves.
1: We did a lot of Final Thought stuff at the beginning, but is there any wrap-up stuff you wanted to go into, Tyler? I don't
0: think anything that I didn't already say. I like a lot of the interactions we get with both Graham and Sergey in this. Um, I feel like we're kind of starting to characterize the Gundam pilots a little bit more, but like not as much as I would like by episode 3.
1: It's weird to me that the Exia fights both Sergey and Graham, and we're definitely trying to tie those characters together as parallels, but also that the fights are so similar. They are both fights where the adversary seems yeah. like they're going to have the upper hand until they are bested by the beam saber.
2: Yeah, I kind of wish that uh, the mobile suit in this particular instance hadn't been the Exia again.
1: Yeah, it had been Sergey had gone after Lock On or
2: anyone else.
1: Oh, yeah, A. is kind of
2: Lock-On is kind of the one that makes sense to me in this case, just because of the fact that uh, the Kyrgios doing its bombing run. Difficult to intercept. Difficult to intercept. But yeah, the fact that Setsuna has had both fights so far seems weird. But it's because he's the shonen boy of this series. I mean,
1: yes, but still... It's the fact that they're both in the same episode that I think is weird to me. If this was episodes three and four, I mean, maybe it would feel even more repetitive because we're spending multiple episodes on it.
0: I was actually going to say spreading it out might be better, but I don't know. Do
1: you have a high point, Tyler?
0: I think it's actually going to be pretty much just all of Graham's interactions in the hangar with Professor and Billy. I think that's a pretty good scene and establishes characters fairly well, and it's mildly amusing at the same time.
1: Zach, do you have a high point?
2: High point... I mean, that was a good one, Tyler. Like, I like the scene in the cafe, but at the same time, it just kind of serves as, a, as an exposition dump, but it's the first time we get all four of them in the same place. I think I might have to go with uh, the interaction in the, in the cafeteria between Louise and Saji.
1: Oh, I was expecting you to take something else and we have to default to that. I do think it's good.
2: I, I just like that one because it does kind of establish those two, and uh, while they aren't Gundam pilots or really interacting on that level... They are clearly important characters, so establishing their character and relationship with each other is actually fairly important.
1: I think it's the best character work this episode does. I'm going to take Sergei examining the Kyrios missile pod, specifically the part where he's like, this is declassified technology to them. We're not going to learn anything from this. I really like that moment in particular. And I think the fact that we all took moments from three different storylines within the episode, and none of us even took the way the episode started, does speak to how packed Gundam Devil is.
0: I think this show does a surprising amount of showing how good Sumeragi's planning is. The fact that, like, they're leaving this essentially unclassified information around. I was just thinking about, like, she's logistics manager, basically. And, like, she's doing a
2: pretty good job of it. And you don't even see her this episode.
1: I mean, you You do do, for a second.
2: Although I feel like our Gundam pilots have actually gotten the least amount of screen time in this episode compared to everybody else.
1: Do you have a low point, Tyler?
2: I was trying to think...
0: I don't really have a low point so much as, like, not high points. So, no, come back to me and maybe I'll have one.
1: Zach,
2: If we had one weakness. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah, giving us the exposition dump there.
1: It seems super weird to me after they already established. We don't have a way to get the Gundams back into space. Also seems like a weakness.
2: Yeah, so it's just weird and kind of disrupts the flow a little bit. Because while I do like the scene of all four of the pilots in the same place... Kind of makes him seem dopey, and I don't think that's what they wanted to go for. They wanted to kind of tell the audience, hey, this is a thing.
1: I don't really want to repeat myself, but to me, I feel like it's how similar the Exia's two fights are. Not even that the Exia gets two fights, but that they're basically blow for blow the same fight. Back to you, Tyler.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be if uh, the IRA disarming is an actual thing, that.
1: Okay, that's fair. Because you have no reason to think that it's not, other than Zack and I saying, hey, maybe that's a plot point later. I don't remember that. <laughs> exactly. or not. Maybe I'm just trying to justify it. I have a new proposal for a segment in addition to high points and low points. Since these are new characters that Zach and I don't have the emotional attachment to of Atherin and Kira, I propose that in addition to those, we do an MVP every episode. <laughs> we, and for MVP, I'll say we can we can double up. If okay. we all say Aker because we're all right, then that's fine. <laughs> Okay. So, Tyler, do you have an MVP?
0: Yeah, it's actually Graham Aker this episode because he collected a lot of valuable military information and he's just been a cool guy doing cool stuff.
2: Zach? Hmm, Graham is a good choice, but I think I might give it to Sergey in this particular instance because he did a lot of good analysis, whereas a lot of the stuff that Graham got was actually analyzed and done all that stuff by other people, whereas Sergei made all the logical leaps on his own.
0: Okay, so possibly Billy is runner-up MVP then.
1: (laughs) I was going to go with Graham as well. That's why I made the joke. But thinking on it, I think Sergei, because we already had Graham's personality, right? This episode establishes Sergei. He's been around... But he's been Colonel Guy, right? Who, if he wasn't in the opening, could just be Colonel Guy. Yeah, if, and if this he, episode makes him a character.
2: If he wasn't in the opening, I would have just assumed that he was, like, the dude in charge of the Space Forces for the Human Reform League.
1: Okay,
0: runner-up, though? Hallelujah. He completed 97% <laughs> of his mission. That's pretty good.
1: That's true. If you had a 97% <laughs> passer rating in the Super Bowl, you would probably get MVP. <laughs> so... Do we want to add a mobile suit to our ranking list? We didn't with Kevin, so I think we we've got some to catch up on.
2: What do you want to start
1: with? I feel like the the ones that get shows this week are the flag and the Tiarian.
0: I would vote the Tiarian. I feel like the flag maybe has more stuff that we haven't seen yet, and I feel like the Tiarian is a uh, pretty run of the like. I feel like I know everything
1: it does. Most video games divide the Tiarian into space and land types. I think that's probably not necessary for us. But what do you think?
2: I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. If we get a better look at a space model, Tiaran, then we can revisit the topic.
1: I feel like their big showing is in the first episode. Then it doesn't matter. I, I've said before, I do not really care for the grunt design in Double O, but the Tiaran especially, I think, is the low bar. I don't like it as much as the Gen personally.
2: I like the big clunky, you know, you know, mech warrior type of look to it. But I think I would agree because, you know, this isn't Battletech, this is Gundam.
1: Yeah, I weirdly like, like, I weirdly like the ants more for that as well in this series.
0: I'm a little bit torn on that because I think also, like Zack, I like the kind of chunky mech design. I also like its stupid hand-to-hand pizza cutter blade. The chin's just such a good design, though, so I think I might have to give it to you. Or, yeah, sorry, yes, I think I agree.
1: I do like it more than the Taurus from Gundam Wing, though. Um, is that I the one that's like, kind of starfishy? Yes.
0: Uh, yeah, no, I hate the Taurus so yes. I, yeah, I would agree.
1: <laughs> okay, final question. Is it better or worse than the Gundam Geon Ultron? Is
0: that Tiger Wolves?
1: That is Tiger Wolves.
0: Uh, hmm, inter- I, I think I prefer Tiger Wolves for the over the topness. I think I prefer the Tiarian because it's
1: not as over-the-top.
0: Yeah, and like, I, I think this is just a difference of aesthetic, really. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and weirdly, Tyler, you would think I would be on your side, but I'm not. <laughs> 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 so the Tiarian will go at number 78, above the Gundam Gian Ultron, and below the Jin. And that will do it for this week. Anything else we want to say about this episode? I almost want to ask you where you think it's going, Tyler, but you said you don't know, and I think episode 5 is the better place to ask you that.
0: So. That's fair. Yeah, no, I have really no idea what this show is going to be about yet.
2: It's not a bad episode as it stands. only problem is, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what they expect to be going on, because yeah. right now... Everybody's asking questions as to what exactly the Gundams are, what's going on, what is their actual overall plan, and I'm sitting here going, you know, I'd like that information too, and I can actually see them. What's a Gundam? Who's this guy? What are they doing?
1: Yeah, Interestingly, I said before that Gundam 00 is a series I like fine, and I hope this podcast sort of teaches me why people like it so much watching this episode was honestly pretty boring for me but doing this episode on it i found to be very engaging and so like it's a working i guess is what (laughs) i'm saying
0: yeah no like Um, i actually liked this episode fairly well i think because it did some pretty decent character development i like the side characters more than i like the main characters well you'll get a lot
1: of (laughs) what will
2: happen when you're doing something with people you like
1: yeah, but also like just de- like there is material here, right? It's yeah. not like Build Divers where we're like, oh gods, what's going on? <laughs> we're like this. We, we don't love this, but like if you look, there are themes and there is like foil character stuff going on and parallels. And
2: I definitely agree with Tyler. They, this this episode does do a lot of characterization of characters. Problem is, we still haven't gotten any of that done for our main four.
1: I mean, there's a little bit, but nothing likable, right? Yeah. Tiara is a grump.
2: Tierra is a grump, Setsuna is a shonen boy, Lockon's great, and Alleluia is apparently a blabbermouth. I yeah. mean, that's what we've got so far.
1: Like, I like
0: Alleluia probably the second best of the Meisters right now.
1: R- rank him real quick.
0: So, Lock On, obviously, Alleluia. Probably Tierra.
1: Really? Um, okay. Tierra is not woofy, but I never liked
0: uh likability uh not so much as a character is more how i'm ranking him yeah
1: and i suppose Wufe goes above tro as a character because he has one
0: yeah exactly <laughs> and then say setsuna, sets an say
1: all right it's a gun that will return in international negotiation
2: Girls can be so...
0: This
1: is where you're supposed to chase me.